God's plan, we have determined the path of victory. I found that I could use examples from all over the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, to illustrate my message this morning. But I decided to confine what I'm going to talk about to events that are reported in the ninth and 10th chapter of the book of Acts. You can read those two chapters and read about everything that I'm going to talk about this morning. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide the words that are spoken in this pulpit today. I pray faithfully and constantly, Lord, that the gifts of the Spirit will prevail while your message is being preached. And I ask that again this morning, Lord, that the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, discernment, prophecy, that the words that are spoken in this pulpit will be the words of the Holy Spirit. Which will, which will mean that truth is being directed to our hearts and we're coming into understanding more about you and about our walk with you. And that's what we ask for, Lord, that you will guide us today in the understanding and the revelation of your word and your will for our lives in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. God makes plans, and when we're a part of his plan, he reveals that plan to us. He may not explain to you everything about everything he's doing, and he won't. But everything he's going to do with you and for you, he will make known to you. You may not like what God tells you in the first pass. He may have to tell you more than one time before you like what he said. We used to sing the song a long time ago. It's strange, isn't it, how I remember so many songs that we used to sing a long time ago. There was a song that people sang, and it was, He does not compel you to go. He does not compel you to go. He does not compel you to go against your will. He just makes you willing to go. He can bring you to that place, if you're you're ready to listen to Him, that you're willing to do what He wants you to do. And that's the plan that God has for you, to bring you into harmony with his plan for your life so that as you develop your walk day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, you will become more and more like him and live totally in accord with his perfect plan for you. God makes appointments with us. He comes and he speaks to us about various things and he does it in different ways. You can choose to cooperate with God's plan. It's your decision. You can choose to cooperate with God, what God wants to do in your life. Or you can oppose His plan and disregard it. When you choose to do what God's plan for you is, it leads to spiritual success, blessing, victory, and prosperity. When you refuse His plan and oppose it, disregard His plan, You always lose. I made this statement a while back. I kind of liked it, so I'll tell you again. You can have an argument with God. I've had many conversations with the Lord when I was asking Him to do it my way instead of asking Him to help me do it His way. I know you have to. If you say you haven't, I won't believe you anyway. I've talked to God about doing it my way. And this is what I learned over a period of time. Sometimes... God actually did listen to me and let me do it my way. Boy, did I find out I did not know what I was talking about, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know what I wanted. 
So that the best thing we can possibly do is to understand what God wants for us and step out in His will to achieve that by His grace, His leading of His Spirit, and His power. And I believe when we do that, God puts us in the place to hear from Him. You think you came this morning because it's your routine to come to church. Some of you didn't come because it's your routine. It's kind of out of your routine. But you decided to come for whatever reason there may be. Some of you really persevered to get here. You had to go through obstacles. It was harder for you to get ready than for some of the rest of us to get ready to come. But you determined you were going to be here. Believe me when I tell you that every time you come to the house of God, you come under His appointment. You come for an encounter with Him. And when you come with your heart open, not just a root, just as a routine, just a, not just as an ordinary thing because it's the time for it and that's why I'm going to do it, but you come because you have an earnest desire to meet God, to hear from God, to receive from God, you will find that you have come into a divine appointment with Him. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will direct you. He will guide you. He will help you. And He will lift you up above all that holds you down and keeps you from rising to victory in this world. This place is a place for divine appointment with God. It may not happen just as you want it to happen every time. But you come here into God's house with God's people because I believe this is ordered of the Lord in His perfect plan and will for God's people to gather to bring glory to His name. When you do that, you're providing a way for God to move distinctly, personally, and with direct purpose for His glory in your life. I'm going to give you two examples of God's planning and God's appointments and how God works together to bring things to the place that He wants them to be in our lives. Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. And he was going there to persecute the Christians like he had been doing for some time. He had been leading the charge against the followers of what they called the way, the way of Jesus of Nazareth. He arrested them, threw them in jail, persecuted them, beat them, and really acted with zealous hatred towards the things of Jesus. So with a group of people who were traveling with him, he's on his way to Damascus with, with orders from the chief priests in Jerusalem, allowing him to persecute the Jews who had made a decision to follow Jesus of Nazareth. That's why he was on his way to Damascus. As he journeyed on that way, he's riding along on the dusty road, and his people are traveling along with him, and all of a sudden there's a blinding flash of light. There's no storm, there's no thunder, there's no rain, just a blinding flash of light. And it's so bright and so intense that it causes Saul to fall from his beast that he was riding on, falling to the ground. He's lying on the ground. He can't see anything. And people hear sounds around him, but they don't know what the sound is. But Saul hears a sound that he understands. And the words come to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And Saul answers with a question, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's getting harder and harder for you to kick against the goats. He's using a term of reference that Saul understood about hurting animals. You're finding more and more resistance within yourself. Something was changing in Saul that nobody knew about except him and Jesus. But Jesus met him that day, personally appeared to him, and he said, Then, Lord, what will you have me to do? Now, here's a big difference. This man who claimed that Jesus of Nazareth was anything but a Savior now cries out to him and he says, what a transformation, Lord. Something happened inside that he was able to say, Jesus, when Jesus said, I'm Jesus. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Tell me what you want me to do. And he told him to get up and go to Damascus and he'd be shown to him what he was supposed to do. Say, so went in Damascus blind. He could not see anything whatsoever. They had to lead him to the home of a man in, in, in Damascus where he was there, put into a bedroom, left for safety, and they left him alone in his blind condition, but Jesus spoke to him again. I know this because the Lord later on told the man named Ananias what he had told Saul. And he spoke to Saul and said, you stay right here. I am going to send a man to you whose name is Ananias. He will pray for you, and you will receive your sight back, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, while Saul is waiting there for Ananias to appear, the Lord is somewhere across town talking to Ananias. You see, it isn't just a one-sided, one-faceted thing. The plan and purpose of God is a diamond with many facets that glisten and gleam with his perfection. So now he's over on the other side of town, and he talks to Ananias, and he says, Ananias, I have an assignment for you. Watch out. Watch out. God tells you he's got an assignment for you. He's made an appointment for you already. You better get ready for something to happen in your life. So he said, Ananias, I've, I've got an assignment for you. I want you to go over to this house and find a man there. His name is Saul. He's from Tarsus. And I want you to pray for him that he'll receive his sight and receive the Holy Spirit. And Ananias, what do you think he said? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that. How soon can I get there? He said, oh, no, Lord. Oh, oh, do you know who that man is, Lord? He's persecuting every Christian he can find. He's throwing them in jail. He's putting them in handcuffs. He's having them beat. I'm not up for, I'm not up for that, Lord. Now, find somebody else. I'm adding a little bit to what the Bible says. And this, is, this was his attitude. This was his attitude. I don't want to do that, Lord. I've had God say things that I didn't want to do. And you have to. And he said, Ananias, I've already prepared the way before you. I've already told Saul you'll be there. I've already said for him to look for a man named Ananias. That's you. And I want you to go there and do what I told Saul you were going to do and what I'm telling you now to do. And Ananias says, Lord, I will go. 
If you want to hear from God, get ready to hear Him and listen to Him and be ready to do what He tells you to do. If you want to know what God's saying to you in your life, make up your mind you're going to do it when God tells you. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I need to know what He wants me to do first. Oh, no, you got it backwards. You need to say, Lord, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go. You tell me what you want me to do, and that's what I'll do. You tell me where you want me to go, and that's where I'll go. When you're ready, Lord, I'm ready. Just tell me, and here I am, Lord. That guy will have a message for you. He'll reveal himself to you. So Ananias said, All right, I'll go. I, I used to imagine Ananias. Do you think that Ananias was running over? He was so excited to get there and see Saul. I said, I don't think he wanted to go. I think he was walking on that. Well, what, if, what, if, what if Saul didn't listen? I know the Lord told him, but I was coming, but what if he didn't listen to me? This is a pretty bad guy. He's got a reputation all over, everywhere. I, I heard about him. I'm living, I'm living here in Damascus, and I heard about him coming all the way from Jerusalem to find us and persecute us. I don't think he went with the greatest joy in his step, but when he walked into the room, and there's Saul of Tarsus, just like the Lord said he would be, lying there in that bed, blind, doesn't even know the man who, when he walks in. He walks in. And Saul might hear somebody say, who is it? Who's there? Now, he walks up to him and he said, Saul, I want you to get this now. I really want you to get this. He walked up to him and he said, Saul, I am Ananias. <laughs> that doesn't seem like much. But when he said, I'm Ananias, something came into the heart of Saul. And he said, I've been expecting you are an absolute prayer. Both of them do right now. Right now, that is both of them do. This is God. This is God who brought us together. This is our Lord Jesus Christ who spoke to both of us. I am Ananias, he said. And Saul said, Ananias, I'm glad you're here. Ananias reached out and laid hands on him as the Lord had told him to do. And when he laid hands on him and prayed for him, Saul, the Bible says, instantly had the scales fall from his eyes and he could see. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and God began to deal with his call for him for his life and his ministry. But it happened because a man named Ananias, I don't know anything about it after that point in time, but I know that one thing, this one thing, that on that one occasion, that one time, he heard the voice of his father. He listened to what he said. He walked into that room where Saul was lying blind, and God did a miracle because that man obeyed what God called him to do. He was greatly blessed because he obeyed the Lord. He was instrumental in Saul becoming the Apostle Paul, who began the development of the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to present to the world. He was instrumental in launching the ministry of Saul, who became Paul, that has blessed the world up to this very day. Because he obeyed God. What a great, glorious, glorious thing that is. But the first thing he said when God told him to go was, I don't really want to go, Lord. But when he did, he found out it was the best thing that ever happened to him in his life up to that time. That's what obeying God was. God says, this is my call for you. Now here's the second example of that. Acts chapter 10. We leave Saul 
God developing his life for Christ. We leave Saul and move on to Simon Peter, who was resting in the home of a man named Simon in the in the town of Joppa, right on the coast of the promised land, right on the Mediterranean Sea. And while Peter was resting there, a few miles down the coast, in the city of Caesarea, an angel of God was speaking to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a man who prayed. He didn't pray with great knowledge, but he prayed. He was a man who gave to help others. He gave alms. The scripture says this about him. You read it in chapter 10 of Acts. And so now while, while Cornelius is praying, isn't it amazing how many things happen while you're praying? So Cornelius is praying and crying out to God. He doesn't know a lot, but he knows enough to pray. He's crying out to God, and God sends an angel to speak to him. And he says, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving... Not just praying, but you're giving, your obedience, have come up before me, and I have come prepared to bring you a blessing. The angel now tells Cornelius, I want you to send for a man who is rest in the house of in the house of Simon over in Joppa. I want you to send for him and ask him to come and speak to you, and he'll tell you what I want you to hear. So Cornelius. In, in, in really obedience and excitement, he calls his men in to him and he says, he tells them what's happened to him. I don't know what they believed about it, doesn't matter, but he was their officer in charge, he was their superior. So he said, I want you to go all the way up to Joppa and go to a house of a man named Simon who's a tanner and find him there, find in there another man named Simon Peter and tell him that God has spoken to me through an angel and he's supposed to come down here. And talk to us here in Caesarea. So they leave. The three men journey up on the way up to Joppa. Now while all this is going on, Peter goes up to the rooftop of the house. It's kind of like an exposed patio. The rooftops were used like that in those days. So he's up there on the, on the patio top of the house. And he's resting. And while he's resting there, the Lord speaks to him in a vision. And he sends this vision that allows Peter to see something like a great wide sheet held by the four corners of the sheet. And the sheet lowered down where Peter could look in. And in that sheet he saw all kinds of animals and reptiles and, 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 and beasts that were kind of repulsive to him. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, Peter, he was up there waiting for them to prepare food and bring it to him, so here's what God gave him instead. He said, Peter, rise and eat. This is, what, this is your lunch for today. Rise and eat. And Peter looked at it and he saw all those, saw those reptiles, those bugs and those animals, and, and some that would be important to anybody I don't care what they say. I'm not going to eat chocolate covered ants. But Peter was receiving a message from the Lord. And, and Peter said, oh, no, Lord. Oh, no. Have you ever had God start talking to you about something you didn't like what it was you saw or you were hearing? And the first thing you said was, oh, no, Lord. Oh, don't tell me anymore. That's all I want to know. That's it. That's it. Right now. 
tell somebody, Lord, surely my mom is out. You said, Lord, surely not. Oh, you can't be me, Lord. No, surely not. That's not like me, Lord. Or that's not my disposition. I don't I don't really have that that kind of a personality. Or no, no. I'm a little bit I'm too shy or backward or embarrassed to do that. Whatever it is you told me. It didn't mean anything. It was just an excuse anyway. But you said, surely not, Lord, surely, surely you're not talking to me. I've never eaten anything common or unclean, Peter said. And then the Lord said, don't you call what I have cleansed common or unclean? Well, I didn't mean to contradict you, Lord. I was just trying to get out of this. I don't want to eat that stuff. And so God took the sheep back up. And then he sent it back again. The Bible says he had to do it three times. I know you think Peter was not very spiritual at that moment. But think about how many times God's had to take you to do something. There's a lot of things God's still trying to get you to do you haven't decided to do yet, and you know God wants you to do it. You know as well as I do. And how do I know that? Because I've had the same thing happen to me. I've told God what I wanted to do, and God said, oh, that would be wonderful if you That would be wonderful. Huh? Yeah, that's a good idea, son. And I never hear any more from him about it. Passed on by. It doesn't matter. I will say that it seems like the Lord's kind of, I don't know if he's changed his mind or repented or decided a little bit different from it, but the last missionary that we had here said, He's a long-time friend of mine. I've introduced him here. And he has told me twice now, he said, now, if you want to go preach in the international churches, he said, that's what I'm doing now. I'm recruiting men who will go and fill in for the pastors of these churches while they go on furlough, go to itinerator, or they're going to have to be gone for a few weeks and need someone to fill in for them. And, and that's what God has me doing now under the general counsel of the Assemblies of God. I'm I'm not recruiting men who can do that. If you want to do that, get on my list. That's what I thought I wanted to do when I first came to Orange Park six years ago. I thought all this time now, I'd be living a couple of months in Rome, another another month or two in Venice, maybe move on over to Madrid, possibly going up to Barcelona, and spend a month at a time preaching in the churches. And, and what you do when you go is you live in the pastor's home. By the way, just in case I feel like it would be a good thing to do, would it be okay for you if I took three or four weeks off sometime and went over and did that? I mean, I, 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 I still can't quite get over wanting to do it. Anyway, so, so but, but God had another plan. And God's plan was, when I said, this is not something I want to do, I've never eaten anything common or anything that Peter said, and I said, this is not something I want to do. He sent me over to fill in at the, at the, over on Kingsley Avenue in Orange Park to fill in, and here I am six years later still here. But you weren't here, most of you, almost none of you were here at that time either. So God sent you along too. You're the reason I know is the will of God. You're the main reason I know. Because you kept on coming, you kept on adding in, you kept on joining in and becoming a part. 
And all of a sudden, I looked up around and say those 15 people that were here, some of them are not here anymore. Most of them are. Joy and Glory are still here. Bob and Amanda are still here. Sandra's still here. Some of us have gone on to heaven. Some of us have gone on to wherever. But a lot of us are still here. But most of you weren't here, so you're the reason I know that it was the right thing to do, to follow God and be here. But I will admit this even now sometimes I want to say. So I, you might find me, you might find me feeling really called of the Lord to take a few weeks off and go help a brother in need over in Rome or somewhere. <laughs> but, but Simon Peter said, now Lord, I cannot do this. Three times God came back to him and said, you gotta do it, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Don't accuse me of saying wrong things, Peter. When I said it's clean, it's clean. And so now, three men from Caesarea show up, and they say, Cornelius, and they say good things about Cornelius. He was a good man. They said, he wants to hear from you because God sent him an angel and told him to call for you. And so the next morning, I'm kind of rushing through this, the next morning, Peter gets up, he gets some of his friends there in Joppa to go with him, the three men from Caesarea go back with him, and they journey down the coast, back down to Caesarea. They go into the household of Cornelius, and Cornelius is so happy to see him. He said, we want to hear from you everything that God has told you to tell us. Imagine that. Cornelius is so ready. He said, whatever God has told you, we know that you've heard from God. God sent you here to give us a message. And he said, I've called together my friends. I've called together my close relatives. We are here. And this is what he said. We are here ready to listen to whatever God has told you to tell us. Isn't that fantastic? We came ready to hear whatever God wants us to hear. Whatever he told you to tell us, that's what we came to hear. And so here he is. Simon Peter starts to preach. And he says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He showed him that in that vision. That's what he wanted to tell him. His message was, there's no discrimination on my part between Jews and Gentiles. What he was saying was later on, what he said, the same thing he revealed to the Apostle Paul. The same thing the other leaders of the early church came to believe. That in Jesus Christ, in the salvation of Jesus Christ, there's no circumcision or uncircumcision. There's no Jew nor Gentile. There's no male nor female. There's no black nor white. There's no Arab or Caucasian. There's no difference between those who come to serve God. All of us are viewed in the same light as equal before the Lord. And the grace of God avails for everyone who will call on the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And so they said, we're ready to hear whatever you have to tell us. Whatever it is, we're ready to listen to it. And so I don't ask you to come to listen to everything I have to say unless it's the Word of God. And if it is, you need to be here to hear everything that the Lord has commanded to be said to you. Father, we pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit will pervade this beautiful service we're about to perform together. 